Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I'm a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning. We're going to pick up again in the book of Philippians, and uh, we're going to be in chapter 3. This was a, uh, just, it's been a wonderful blessing to me personally to study this and be reminded of the things that we find in the book of Philippians. We're staying with a theme, and I was talking with Pam this morning, we were, I was saying, well, this is what I'm trying to accomplish in the book of Philippians. I'm not trying to do like an exhaustive verse by verse, like a commentary, right? Where you're, you're preaching and you're just, man, you're just wringing every ounce of marrow out of the bone. What we're trying to do as we go through Philippians is have an overview understanding of the book and of the principles that the Lord's trying to teach us in the book. I highly encourage you to study the book of Philippians as we're going through these. Go back to chapter three, maybe later on in the afternoon. And read what we just didn't have time to read today. Things that just are there that we don't have the time for. But I encourage you uh, to do that. Ring all the marrow out of this. And uh, Galatians, uh, Brother Jeff, Pastor Jeff preached on this a while back. A lot of the things that we're going to be looking at today, Paul was dealing with in the book of Galatians. And there's some great stuff in the book of Galatians. So we're going to continue with partnership in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we're going to do, I'm going to try to do, a 90-second review of chapters 1 and 2. And I know that seems silly. I actually time myself. How fast can I do this? So let's look at the points that we've covered so far that the Lord's revealed to us regarding partnership with, with each other and with the Lord in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we see that there's a cause for rejoicing, that this partnership advances the gospel, It strengthens the body. It strengthens us as a church. Unites our minds and our emotions. Gets us centered on the mind of Christ. It's characterized by humility, serving one another and serving our fellow man. And it also accrues a heavenly reward. Listen to these passages just as a brief review. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in all humility humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And that's from Philippians 2, 3 through 5. Philippians 2, 12 through 16 says, Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. And today we're going to begin studying in verse uh, chapter 3. We're going to look at all, ver- all these verses 1 through 21. As it relates to, and we continue with the theme, partnership in the gospel ministry. 
And as by way of introduction, Paul deals with the false teaching of the Judaizers uh, in their contradiction of the truth of redemption and the perseverance of the saints. He characterizes the false teachers quite harshly. He calls them dogs as evil workers and the concision. Paul also testifies to the superiority of the purpose and finished work of Jesus Christ. He calls the church to persevering faith until the Lord returns. Now, we see this in the scriptures in chapter 3, 1 and 2. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble for me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. And that is a good warning to the church today. Uh, great, we, we kind of talked about this theme. Uh, one of the greatest dangers is not discerning right and wrong. It's discerning right and almost right. Some things can sound almost right. But in fact, they can be terribly, terribly wrong and have uh, just terrible destruction in the lives of Christian people and in the lives uh, that would benefit by their ministry. The first thing we want to look at today about this partnership is that it is secured by covenant. It is secured by covenant. And we're going to look at two covenants today and examine them. Which covenant does this belong to? And it affects the doctrine of the Judaizers, and it should affect the church's understanding of what does it mean to be in Christ, and what does it mean to be a recipient of grace, and what is this notion of persevering? Is persevering work salvation? What is it? Some people are not familiar with this term or this phrase, perseverance of the saints. It's something we're going to look at today because I want us to understand it in the proper context. So let's go to the scriptures for this major point, we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. For we are the circumcision. Now, this is not, don't pass over that too quickly. He's talking to a group of people that understand the difference. They know what that phrase means. Historically, that means you are a Jew. That's what that means. So he's saying this to the Gentile church that no doubt has Jews in it as well. He says, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee, and I might add, he was the son of a Pharisee. This was the family business. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. We're going to come to see how that is a very ironic statement. Blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Imagine that, if you will. You're in a culture, you're the elite in the culture. Think about the things we prize today. You have the best education at the feet of the most revered scholar. Your parents and family have raised you as a Pharisee in this, what would be considered a, a very uh, honored uh, and, and, um, and, and very determined spiritual upbringing to obey the law. 
as it relates to the law itself and its requirements because of your behavior, the written word of the law counts you blameless. And he had great zeal. And he had, he had great energy and great desire. But the desire was to persecute those who loved Jesus Christ and who were leaving behind Judaism to become what they considered to be, what Paul considered to be most likely some type of a cult. He hated Jesus and was determined to destroy the church. But God had other plans for him. And Paul says, all this that people would consider, all this gain I had, my upbringing, my education, my standing in the community, it's all loss for the sake of Christ. So, I want you to think about this because it made me think about this as I was preparing for the sermon. Americans many times believe we can be devoted to Christ and devoted to materialism at the same time. We think that materialism is this thing that is going to most satisfy us. It's probably a problem with being content with envy. Probably isn't a person in this room that hasn't felt envy or discontented over the events of their life or over the current condition in their life. I remember when we were young, Pam and I got married. We're finished with our little tiny ceremony and I had $30 and a dinner coupon to eat at a restaurant in Marietta. I'd spent a fortune on her ring, $400. And it was the happiest day of my life. We had nothing. We lived in a little one-bedroom apartment. I was being considered and interviewed for a job that would pay a ridiculously low salary for enormous amounts of hours and work, weekends and nights. You might be thinking about Pam. "Mm, She kind of married down. (laughs) I married up. I married up. One of the things that most impressed me about her, and that's not the Pam show, but was her desire to, do, to follow the Lord in what would be pleasing to the Lord and what would be in service to him. And in my opinion, she had the best credentials, aside from her being beautiful. What do you consider gain? What do you consider valuable? Think about the advice we give our, our older children. Think about the path that we steer them towards. Mom, Dad, I'm thinking about marrying this poor person, but they've got a lot of character and they love the Lord. Hmm, maybe you need to rethink that a bit. See, materialism works its way into our brains and into our value systems almost without us realizing it. We look around and we go, well, I don't have much now, but I will have much soon. I'm going to work hard, and one day I'll be rich. say, well, does people really, are they crass about it? Probably not. They're probably a little more smooth about it. But the reality is, it is something that we fight in our minds. Because as we've been going through this, the book of Galatians, there's a theme here. People are sacrificing their resources, they're sacrificing their talents, and even their own lives. They're putting their lives at risk for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of what they believe is the most valuable thing, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So I put this out, not just to the church, to myself as well. What is my value system today? What do I value really more than anything? What do I use as a filtering process for my decision making? What is my risk capacity for losing it all? Well, that's irresponsible. Maybe. I believe risk assessment is a good thing for us. But I think sometimes our risk assessment is too stilted towards materialism. At least that happens to me. I tend to see things through dollar signs. That's not always the best thing to do because it lacks this avenue of faith. What will God do? If God is impressing me to do something and I do it, what will he do? Will there be difficulty in between the process of going from point A to point B? Maybe. Maybe it will involve sacrifice. Maybe it will involve financial sacrifice, a sacrifice of prestige. But what is God going to do? See, that's the difference between proving it and stepping out by faith. We're not talking about foolish decision-making. We're talking about the partnership in the gospel of Christ and what am I doing today to propel that forward. Listen to this passage as it relates to um, in Galatians 3, 7 through 9. It says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offsprings, heirs according to promise. So how do we fit into this covenant thing? The understanding at the time and what, what Paul's dealing with is, there's people just straight up saying that you've got to keep the law and be circumcised in order to be saved. We see that in the book of Acts. It was a controversy, and it, it, it infiltrated itself way away from Jerusalem all the way over here into the Gentile world. Paul's dealing with this. He's dealing with what does it mean to be in Christ? Does it mean I have to be an adherent to the Mosaic Covenant? We're going to look at that in just a little bit. Consider this from Romans chapter 4, 13 and 15. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise void. For the law brings wrath. Why? We're sinners. We're incapable of perfectly keeping the law. The law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. We're not talking about lawlessness, meaning I, I, I don't require the moral law in my life. Okay? We're, we're not talking about that. We're not referring to, to that heresy. We're referring to this concept that if I'm not being harshly judged by the law of God, that I'm being judged underneath the righteousness of Christ. That's what it's referring to. No law can touch a person in Christ because Christ has fulfilled the law. He's, he's fulfilled what we could not fulfill. So this is the difference between the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant. You say, what? I thought they were all the same, but they're all integrated. No, they're not integrated. They're falling along a timeline, a timeline that God has prescribed, but they're very different covenants. One is an eternal covenant. This mixes up people terribly as it relates to understanding the church's relationship to uh, ethnic Jews or to, more, more specifically, to the nation of Israel. 
I'm very confused by this. There's a lot of false doctrine that's out there. We're not getting into that piece today. That's a, that's a whole sermon in and of itself. But I want you to understand the confusion is not from the Bible. The Bible's very clear about it. What, what, where's the church lie? The church is not part of the Sinai covenant. We are not part of the Mosaic covenant. We are part of the Abrahamic covenant. That is where our inheritance lies. Who are, and many of you are old enough to remember the, the song we were talking about this morning. Um, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. Then you did all these hand signals. You moved your arms and stomped your feet and all that. It says, we are one of, we are one of those. So let's just praise the Lord. As a kid, even as a man in my 20s, I didn't quite know what that meant. What is it? Why should I praise the Lord? I'm a son of Abraham. And how am I son of Abraham? You're a son of Abraham. I'm a son of Abraham if you're in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus is the promised son that came through Abraham. And that is eternal. That covenant will never be broken. It will go on into eternity. And we, the children of Abraham through Christ, though we are of different ethnicities, we are all heirs because of Christ. Listen to this. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman. Now this is from Galatians chapter 4, verses 21. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. If you're trusting in the law and you're adhere, perfect adherence to the law to save you, you are a slave, not an heir of Christ. That's what he's saying. But the Jerusalem above, that new Jerusalem that we're waiting for when the Lord comes again for his own, But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not the children of the slave, but of the free. That ought to stir your hearts. If you love the Lord God with all your heart, but you're discouraged about things going on in your life right now. I'm not the Christian I should be. But you will be. Because if you love Jesus Christ, His Holy Spirit is in you. And he is going to bring you to a place in your faith where all things are brought to fruition. And that includes a new body that will never sin again. This covenant not only is a covenant of grace, but it is born again. It is entered into by being born again 
by the Spirit of God. We see this in, in um, chapter 3, verse 3, as, he, as Paul says, For we are the real circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God in glory in the Lord Jesus. And we are not putting confidence in the flesh. We're not putting confidence in the flesh. What does it mean by that? It's referring to our human works, right? Our human tendency to want to be righteous by doing things that our society, our culture deems righteous. What do you value today? What does the church value today? Because of what I do, I've been on a lot of websites recently for churches, and I've noticed they don't all value the same thing. Many of them are very secular in the way that they approach their ministry to their communities, and others are very, very centered on Christ. What's your life centered on today? That's the second major point. What is true about this partnership in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Jesus is the treasure in this partnership. Jesus is the treasure. Let that sink in a minute. I think like, well, yes, of course, George. No, but let that really sink in. Because this goes back to this issue of what we value and how we make decisions. What is the most important thing to us? We were joking around when the, when the worship team was practicing and the song we will sing after the sermon is glorious. And sometimes, rarely, but sometimes I feel that feeling where it must be the Holy Spirit in me leaping for joy. It is my sin that keeps me from seeing Jesus as my real treasure. Sin in my life. Sin in your life. It sets up a different and competing value system. That's what the Judaizers were clinging to. That's what Paul was warning them of. No, don't put anything, don't put any confidence in the flesh. Don't put any confidence in in your carrying out of some religious right. That's not what saves you. It is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus is the treasure. He is the treasure. We see this in verses 8 through 11. But before we get there, I want to read Matthew 13, 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Matthew chapter 13, 45. Jesus is the treasure. He is the pearl of great price. What? What? If you're here today and you do not know Christ, you've never repented of your sins and put your faith in him, what do you value more than Christ? It's something. Paul says, indeed, I count everything as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. 
the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So we are secured by covenant. We are sons of Abraham. We are the children of Jesus Christ. We are heirs along with Christ. Why should I, why should I put my whole life into this partnership of the gospel? Because it's the family business. It's what we do. This is what people who love Jesus do. If you feel detached from the church, you feel detached from ministry, please talk to us. Please talk to one of the elders or one of the deacons or one of the Christians in this church that you know is serving. We want you to know there's a place for you to serve in your church. God wants us all to serve. Why would we give up our free time? Because Jesus is the treasure. Jesus is the treasure. This life is going to be over very, very soon. What is coming in the life ahead? Is it cars, houses, vacations, land, popularity, fame? What's coming in the life ahead? It's coming very soon. What is this life that's coming? It is the kingdom of the living Christ. It is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It's coming. He is the treasure. And during that time period, no matter what kind of difficulty we face, this is the next major point I want to point out, is that God wants us to persevere to the day of Christ. He wants us to persevere to the day of Christ. Perseverance is not earthly perfectionism. And we're going to get there. Paul says this in verse number 12. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. Doesn't that just give you chills? If you're in Christ, you know you can't be perfect. If you're married to somebody who's in Christ, you know they're not perfect because you see the real them. But there is a difference. Philippians 3, 12-13a says, Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on and make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. So if the Apostle Paul, with all this training and with all his dedication, even to the point of his health, his life, his very life, if he doesn't consider to have made it his own perfectly, then then we, we shouldn't consider that either. Don't be discouraged by your lack of perfection, what is perceived to be perfection in your Christian faith. Are, the question is, are you making progress towards the kingdom? Or do you see Jesus as the treasure, really? Be honest with yourself. Don't deceive yourself. Is he really the treasure of your life? Are you willing to give it all up to acquire that pearl of great price? So, this persevering is a faith that's pressing forward. What's coming? The kingdom. 
Pressing to what? Perfection so that I perfectly keep the law? No, that's not what that means. Although God wants us to obey the moral law and be moral people. What Paul is saying here is, I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived yet. I'm pressing towards that mark. The problem with modern Christianity is they've convinced themselves there is no mark to press towards. This is not true Christianity. This is lawlessness. This is an occasion for worldliness to get in and consume us. If Jesus is the treasure, then we need to be like him. And we need to be pressing forward because he's coming again. Do you believe that? He's coming again. And his kingdom will be exactly as it's described in the word. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize. I love that. It's a prize. It's a treasure to him. I want to be like Paul. I'm not like Paul, but I want to be like Paul. That's what I want to be, the driving force of my life. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What is the upward call? I'm coming again. And I'm bringing the rest of your reward with me. We will lay aside this sinful body and the Lord will change our bodies into a glorious body like his own. It is the treasure. It is the true treasure. And we as Christians should persevere to that goal. The notion that God doesn't care if we're just like the world, as long as we're also Christians too, is a damnable heresy. It's just not true. It's a lie. It's very akin to the concept of the Judaizers. Well, it's salvation plus this. Well, I could be a Christian plus. I could add on some other stuff to it that doesn't please the Lord. That, that is just not the way it works. Perseverance is the mark of maturing in your faith. If you want to understand what does perseverance tell other believers, what is it a testimony to? It's a testimony to the Holy Spirit working in you to make you daily more and more like Jesus Christ and less and less like what I was as a lost person. Listen to Philippians 3, 15 through 16. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. I love the gentleness that Paul has. He's not thumping them. He's just saying, if you don't see this yet, you will see it if you seek the Lord. He will show it to you. That's my prayer for you today. We can't look at each other and say, well, you're way behind on the persevering mark. That's, that's not love. That's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to love one another where we are, and then that's part of what discipleship is, right? It's not browbeating people, but it's also not turning the other way, a blind eye to their sin. It's encouraging them and saying, hey, brother, think about it differently. Hey, sister, there may be another way to approach this problem. And you pour out the wisdom God is giving you through your maturing mind and soul in, in Christ Jesus. It's what he's called us to do. Older women are to do what? Be obsessed with their grandkids? No, that's a given. They're always going to do that. What has he called you to do, though, in ministry? Disciple the younger women in the church. Older men, what has God called you to do? Well, watch the dogs or, you know, watch, you know, 
college football. Well, besides that, that's a given. What's he called you to do? He's called you to disciple the younger men in the church. We love one another as a family. We're all pressing towards the mark. Different speeds, different rates, it's okay. We're all moving in the right direction. That's the important thing. Only let us hold true to what we've obtained. That's his admonition. Don't don't profess faith in Christ and then one day you just don't show up for church anymore. You go, you know, I don't know about this baptism. I'm not sure if I need to be baptized. I'm not quite sure if I agree with what the pastor said. I'm not quite sure if I need to come to church. I'm not quite sure if I need to tell anybody about my faith. That is not moving in the right direction. That's kind of moving in the wrong direction. Okay? So that's why I say perseverance is the mark of maturing in your faith. You're moving in the right direction. Persevering is pressing to the goal. It's not passive. It's very active. Imagine in your mind a runner that's pressing their chest out right at the finish line so they could get every inch out of their performance. That's exactly what this is referring to. Pressing forward to the mark, to the finish line. Persevering faith is a testimony to what we value, to what we value. Listen to Philippians 3, 17 and 18. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory and they glory in earthly things. Us looking like the world, matching the passions of the world, does not glorify Christ and does not help us spiritually. I'm not saying that we shouldn't take a vacation. I'm not saying we shouldn't do the normal things people do. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is Jesus your treasure? My, my, my fantasy trip is to go to Paris and have our picture taken in front of the Eiffel Tower. To what end? Well, who would make the most awesome Facebook post? What is our passion? Maybe better, set your face on going on a missionary journey to France and working with a local church there on an evangelistic push that they have. God doesn't want you to not see Paris because that makes you more spiritual. God wants you to value Jesus and see what the real treasure is when you get to Paris. Because if we get to Paris and Jesus is not the treasure, look at the lost opportunity we have, we, we've just indulged ourselves in. We can have all the things. God has freely given us all things. We're heirs to Jesus Christ. He just wants us to stay focused on the mark. Persevering faith is testimony to what we value. It's also a colonizing force until Christ Jesus returns again. Remember, this was a Greek colony conquered by the Romans, now being conquered by the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's what Galatia was. That's what what Colossae was. That's what Philippi is. It is a kingdom somebody else had. Jesus Christ is now conquering. And we're part of that partnership to carry out the gospel of Jesus Christ. But our citizenship 
Philippians 3, 20 through 21, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Matthew 13, 45, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Have you done that? Is that your life? Have you given all for the pearl of great price? If you haven't done that, I want to challenge you today. The Lord has his arms open. Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Be willing to give up what you currently treasure for the sake of knowing Jesus. Truly knowing him. Not as a historical figure, but someone whose spirit abides in your heart. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, we love you. We're thankful that you saved us, that our, our salvation is not resting on the feeble, teetering obedience to a code of law, but you have saved us through your own might and have imputed righteousness to us through your perfect life and so through your perfect sacrifice, death, and resurrection. You've declared us to be righteous, redeemed us from the slavery of the law so that we might become your partners in this gospel ministry. Lord, awaken us. Show us where we have made other things our treasure. Lord, bring your saints to a place of repentance. Help us to be refocused. You have great work for us here. And it will take sacrifice. And it will take us all acknowledging what the great prize is and what is the true motivation for doing so. Lord, help us to love lost souls like you love lost souls. I pray that you would bless our church. Encourage us. Bless us as we partake of the Lord's Supper, this glorious physical representation of the gospel. Lord, we thank you and we bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen.